because of course uh, Soviet legacy you, you can uh, base your cooperation on the Soviet legacy but it's been for many years already that Soviet Union doesn't exist and you have to move forward right we have to put efforts to make another legacy in the end we can see that African um, partners they, they listen to themselves first of all Hello, and welcome to the Africa Dialogues. I'm your host, Laura Chikonya, and here we explore the big stories and trends transforming the continent today, told by decision makers, thinkers, and doers. Today's guest is Daria Labutina, journalist covering Russia's big return to Africa and member of the Russian Foreign Ministry's journalist pool, as well as the author of the Telegram channel, Africa for Dummies. Daria has been covering all things Africa-related for federal news agencies, having sat down with the Prime Minister of the Central African Republic, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Mali, as well as ambassadors to Russia from other countries of the region. She has also interviewed Russian ambassadors to Angola and the Central African Republic. In addition, she joined and covered the visits of Russian Minister of Foreign Affairs Sergei Lavrov to Africa in 2022 and 2023. During the episode, Daria and I spoke about how Russia is building its PR strategy in Africa, how the high-level Africa visits went, why many Africans still speak Russian today, and whether or not the Soviet legacy on the continent still matters. Here's our conversation. Daria, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the Africa Dialogues podcast. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to... You're the professional journalist, so I can imagine that this is an unusual situation for you to be on the opposite end of all of the questions, but you're in the the business of information. And I think that today, within the context of preparations for the upcoming summit and just in general, when it comes to everything that Russia is doing in Africa and vice versa, the importance of information cannot be over-exaggerated. So that's kind of the central topic that I wanted to discuss with you today. But I would love to break our conversation down into three big important chunks. The first being sentiment and narrative. The second, Russia's PR strategy in Africa. And the third, the elephant in the room, the big Russia-Africa summit this July, which is a huge deal. It's incredibly important, both for Russia and for Africa. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. So if you're ready, let's let's jump into the first question. Yeah, I would say for, for the beginning that um, it's true that nowadays um, the events uh, about Africa, the information about Africa is really uh, abundant. And nowadays... I see that every day there are so important news that you have to choose actually what to cover because it's so much information and you have to understand what is more important, what is less important. There are many things um, of, uh, out of curiosity that you would like to share, like some cultural points, some traditions. Uh, and also, uh, I can assure you in Moscow nowadays, every day something happening. Um, because of the summit uh, which is coming, because of, I don't know, the common interest that is growing. So I see that people are interested in the African topic and that is a very good thing. Yeah, I can be sure that it will be only growing in the future. So it's a, it's a good topic to choose nowadays. And why why now? What, what would you attribute that to? There are several reasons. Well, I started African topic before February of uh, 2020. 
22nd because uh, of uh, the work matters. And back then, there were also some opportunities uh, to learn about Africa because of the assignment, because it was scheduled first uh, for autumn of 22nd. And uh, in the end, it was postponed. So they asked me to start interviewing um, my, my office. I mean, they asked me to start interviewing some ambassadors uh, in preparation to the summit that will happen in one year. But then it was postponed, so we continued our job. African ambassadors were among those who didn't object, didn't object to be interviewed. So it was also a tendency that, um, yeah, we're, Russia is searching for new partners and African ambassadors, African countries were among the, the priorities, became the priority. Mm -hmm. And because you are now in close contact with, for example, the African diplomatic corps in Moscow and you're having a lot of conversations with Africans, which I think it's it's very important for any country when building their foreign policy towards a continent and when building good relations with other countries. I think it's very important to make them as present as possible in all conversations. So I think that what you're doing, it's very important. Um, we're having a conversation about Africa with Africa. So I think that that's great. And based on the conversations that you've been having, how do Africans see themselves? And how does Russia see Africa? And are there any differences or gaps between the two perceptions? Well, I would say Africans always pose themselves as uh, friends of uh, Russia. They always emphasize that, okay, our countries have been uh, historically friends from the Soviet times, even before Soviet times, actually. For example, Ethiopia and Russia, Russian Empire established their diplomatic relations in the 19th century, in the end of 19th century. So before even other African countries uh, became independent, as Ethiopia was always have always been an independent country. Yeah, so they always emphasize this um, our historical relations. What we see of Africa, well, it is quite the same, I think. Uh, we'll always uh, tell them that Russia is ready to support you. And um, what is our Ministry of Foreign Affairs emphasizes is that um, Russia is not trying to use African countries and have never colonized any country in Africa. Um, this um, Soviet legacy is, is there. We can feel that they, they remember. Even those who have been born after the Soviet uh, Union, <laughs> They, they also feel this uh, friendship that is historical. You've led me to the second question that I wanted to ask you about your trip to, to Africa. So you were kind of in the team flying there with the Russian Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mr. Lavrov. Can you share some of your insights from the trip? Maybe just the general mood of the African countries that were accepting you as guests that had you? What did you see? What did you hear? What impressed you? Please feel free to share. Yeah, it was the second time that uh, we traveled with Lavrov uh, to Africa. The first time was uh, in, in summer. We went then to four African countries. And it was the first trip of Mr. Lavrov during, I think, five years or something like that. So the previous one was uh, yeah, in 2019, like three years ago. And there was uh, a pause because of the COVID pandemic. And nowadays he is uh, going much more fluently. And uh, we see that not only Russian minister is going to African continent, every day there is someone 
that is visiting, like from Pope Francis to different ministers of foreign affairs, Blinken, uh, Chinese minister, Italian prime minister, everyone is going, everyone is chasing the African partners. And even there are some curious coincidences, like when Lavrov was visiting Sudan, the same day there were European ambassadors that went from some five uh, European countries uh, to discuss the political issues in Sudan, because it's still politically unstable. And Lavrov was telling, joking about that, that he was asked during the press conference, like, is it coincidence why they came the same date? Or they came on purpose uh, to, I don't know, uh, to cross with you or what? And he thought, it seems like they are chasing us because I come to South Africa and then next day Joseph Borrell comes. But of course, I think it's not about chasing, it's just coincidences. But it shows us that um, nowadays uh, all the politicians in the world, they are very interested in taking Africa to their side. Yeah, when there, there's this competition. So it's uh, like... Uh, uh, this chasing game went hide and seek, but in the end, we, we can see that African um, partners, they, they listen to themselves, first of all. And uh, the first time we went in, uh, last year in the summer, uh, there was a Ugandan president um, who told that uh, I am not pro-Russian, I'm not pro-European, I'm pro-myself, because I, firstly, I want to gain for my country. So I will collaborate with all the parties and I will choose uh, what, the, what is more beneficial for my country. I really liked what you just said about we'll listen to ourselves, because I think that that's a trend that I'm catching as we move along in this podcast and as we speak to more and more Africans and more Afro, Afro fans and people who believe in the, de the development of the continent. This is a repeating theme. And in the last episode, Muya Musukotwanya, um, who's a large scale private investor in Zambia, Forbes 30 under 30, just a very successful African who studied abroad, you know, spent some time and then came back home to invest in his country and to build Africa, to build Zambia and build Africa. He he spoke about how it's so important for the continent to be self-sufficient. It's so important for talents to stay in Africa. And most importantly, it's, it's really something to strive towards for Africans to feel like I'm proud of being African. I'm in no way inferior and I can listen to myself. Just going back to what you said about these uh, trips to Africa, about countries trying to persuade African countries to be friends with them and to work with them more actively. Something that I wanted to speak to you about was the Soviet legacy in Africa, because I think that people put a huge emphasis on it. And it's something that is part of our PR strategy. Is it important to Africans? Is it important to this current generation that's either in power now or going to be in power soon? Or are we over-exaggerating the importance? Is it something that's in the past and we need to work on new interest points in attracting partners? Yeah, I was already telling you that it is important for them. Uh, in my opinion, nowadays we have to put efforts to make another legacy. And not only my opinion, of course, many experts, they told that uh, we have to build some some projects, some very big projects that will, like for example, in Egypt, in Soviet times, it was built Aswan Dam. And we need more projects like that, financial or more 
PR projects like Africa, Russia Africa Summit to make landmark in modern times. Because of course, uh, Soviet legacy, you, you can uh, base your cooperation on the Soviet legacy, but it's been for many years already that Soviet Union doesn't exist and you have to move forward, right? But uh, it is still important and we can see that some, uh, many Africans still speak Russian, not only ambassadors, but even politicians. For example, when we traveled to um, Republic of Congo and met with the Minister of Foreign Affairs who, who speaks Russian and who told us that uh, he studied in, uh, uh, in Leningrad, he went to Hermitage. And it was really pleasant to hear that they, they speak, they, they still remember, even though he is not living in Russia anymore. And you can uh, see such such examples, not only within the previous generation, but also in, in modern generations. But nowadays, of course, there are less people who study Russian, not because they don't want, but because there are no uh, opportunities for that. Not in every country there is opportunity to, to learn Russian, but still there are some some students that go and we see that already the started Russian government started to increase like 10 times um, the um, share of African students the scholarships so we will see more and more students coming from African countries that's great news and you said you use the word opportunities what do you think in terms of PR Russia should be doing to share best practices tell success stories um, and start talking about modern Russia's successes? Like, what, what do you think that should look like for Russia? Mm, the, the point is, uh, it's not only about the, the interest. There is Russia, interest to, for Russia in African countries, but there are not enough um, financial opportunities yet. That's the, the, the key thing. Yeah, like we need to build more cultural centers in Africa. We need to um, send more specialists in education, or build more, open more embassies in different countries. Uh, also, a very big uh, problem is the direct flights. That we don't have enough. Um, we only have it with uh, Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria, I think, uh, and Ethiopia. And that's it. So we are about to start some direct flights with uh, South Africa, with Kenya, Hope, uh, Tanzania also. And um, I have seen a map of Soviet times where uh, Aeroflot Airlines used to fly during Soviet times. So they had flights all over Africa into different countries. Also, the difference is that in the system of economy, back then, Soviet times was a different type of economy and the government could... uh, could influence more, uh, so it, it it wanted to start uh, some air connection with any country, so it just started it. And nowadays, it all has uh, this financial dimension. It should be uh, profitable. And if if the owner of the air company tells you th- there will be not enough uh, enough tourists, for example, to go to Conakry to Guinea, so I I, I cannot start an air air connection in this country because of this. Yeah, the numbers need to add up, right? So um, I guess we'll be looking for business to take to play a more active role in building relations. And that will probably depend, that will determine, you know, how, how, how fast we're able to move. Rome wasn't built in a day. I agree with you that, you know, building long-term good relations takes time. So I guess, yeah, we just need to continue working. I think you you've already touched upon the subject slightly, but if you could just sum everything up 
into a short sentence or, or paragraph. What does Russia's general PR and information strategy in Africa look like today? So what's the message that we're trying to get across and how are we doing that? Mm, PR strategy, yeah, it bases on the opposition to, to the West, I think. So our point is to go and to tell that how it is like on the other on our perspective how it is like in reality that Russia is not the, the one to blame for the fact that African countries don't get enough fertilizers or enough uh, grains um, not because of our will but because of the sanctions that we are imposed on um, that is the first pair strategy another pair strategy is that yes um, like Russia wants to increase their cooperation with African countries so let's let's do that and then we come to the point of business of business um, profit profit but I want to tell that um, there is such a um, point of view where thinking that actually if we would work directly with African markets or the price for the um, goods itself it will be lower for example the flowers you might not know that the flowers that are sold in russia roses are made not in the uh, netherlands they are bought in netherlands it used to be bought at least but they are made in ethiopia and kenya so we could buy it directly from these countries but for that we need ships <laughs> we need logistics right and th there were no logistics developed before uh, so we used to trade with european partners or for example south africa which um, export their fruits to us. Uh, it used to come through, I think, also like Amsterdam through the Netherlands and then to St. Petersburg. And nowadays it goes directly without any, in a, any other part in this trade. So if more logistics like that will develop with time, we will start working directly and in the currencies, in the national currencies, which is very important too. Hopefully... Yeah, that's something that's that's going to happen soon, especially taking into account all efforts around the big Russia-Africa summit. I think it's something that stimulates um, and has kind of a um, ripple effect that around this big event, you have lots of smaller scale initiatives and other events and deals. And I think that's that's very important. So let's talk about Let's talk about the summit. And something that caught my eye was the information space right now and the information space before the 2019 Russia-Africa summit. And obviously the world has changed a lot and a lot has happened since then. But what do you feel like the, inform the information space was like before the first summit? And what does it look like now? Why is it so different? How did we find ourselves here I'd love to hear your thoughts. Back then in 2019, we had all the world's partners with us. Yeah, we had already been sanctioned, of course, after 2014, but still the scale of cooperation with uh, Europe, with USA, was much bigger than with Africa. And it's um, it's actually a good and surprising thing that our government started to re regain these relations with Africa. And uh, the first summit was like a, a beginning of that. Not the beginning, but a way to remind that we used to to be partners during Soviet times. And when you read this, the newspapers about the summit of 2019, they will all emphasize, they will all bring uh, this idea that, yeah, Russia is back to Africa. 
not starting but is back uh, as a inheritance of so Soviet legacy. And uh, this time it's much different approach. It's not about getting back, it's about already uh, yeah, growing its influence economically. African ambassadors point out that we have to build more economical cooperation now. In Central Africa and Mali and other countries, they tell, yeah, okay, military part, we have made the situation in security matters much better. Now we can start trading, start uh, making economical ties more. Something that came to mind now while you were asking and I'm referring back to a conversation that I had with a listener of, of this podcast who asked quite an interesting question that um, I would like to ask you and hear what, what you think about it. She asked whether or not Africa now has found itself in a situation where Russia has turned towards Africa to the extent to which it has now because we have no other options. So kind of the the question was based in, is Russia now interested in Africa because we don't have any other options? And how ethical is that or how right or wrong is that? I don't agree with that and I had my, my own answer. What do you think about that question? It's not that we don't have any other options. We have Latin America and we have Asian partners also there. Of course, the trade with China and with uh, uh, Indonesia is is bigger. The trade with uh, Latin America is with Brazil is there also. Uh, but African continent is unique. It's first of all, it's it's bigger than China. It's bigger than Russia. It's actually I don't know, it's three or four times bigger than Russia, and it has so many resources, so many human resources too and mineral resources and other kind of resources there that are still not not so independent like Asian countries, for example. Yeah, where is China? So we cannot compete with China. We can only collaborate with it uh, and trade with it, but it's a much bigger player than us. And in Africa, there are no bigger leaders, right? And they try to unite themselves into African continent, African Union. And um, it's interesting to also follow the processes inside Africa. They're seeking for uh, self-sufficiency and they want to grow regional cooperation inside Africa, which actually is historical thing. They, they used to be uh, such regional cooperation back in medieval times when there were medieval governors in Africa before colonial times. And they used to collaborate. There, there were uh, routes inside Sahara, for example, trading routes. And nowadays it's getting back. Uh, so Africa for Africans. And it's interesting to collaborate not with one country in Africa, but with the whole regional, for example, SADC, the Union of South African Countries, which unites uh, six, seven countries. So you can start working with this regional um, uh, body and uh, get the the, uh, the access to the market of already five six countries. It's like the same with Eurasian Commission. Yeah, when we have not only Russian market but also Kazakhstan, Armenia, um, and African partners are interested in that also in interregional cooperation. Yes, and back to your question. Yeah, so it's not that we don't have other choice. But if uh, if we had the same partners as we did, like Europe, 
it is more developed, it is more historical cooperation with Europe. Of course, it was easier for us to collaborate, to sell gas, oil and other grain to Europe because there were already uh, all infrastructure, all, all the operations was um, already adjusted. And with Africa, we had to do it from, from the scratch because everything was already lost during 90s and uh, the beginning of this century. So, of course, there, was, there had to be uh, some reason to, to start back. But we can see that uh, China took this uh, role from, from Soviet Union because it has opportunities. It had opportunities before too. So they started uh, entering these markets when they were almost open, almost free. And nowadays it's more difficult to compete with them. Of course, they, they are there. There are many uh, businesses, um, many investments already of China. And uh, there are Chinese citizens working and living in Africa. Uh, I think much uh, bigger amount than Russians. Yeah. So that, that's the problem for us now. Yeah. I think what my initial reaction was to that question was that it's not like Russia rapidly pivoted towards Africa in February of 2022. We had the 2019 summit, and obviously something that large scale is not done in one day. So there were years of efforts that led up to that. And I think that it's less of a, we had no other choice and more of we needed to stabilize within our own country and to find our own footing to then be able to look outwards and to start reigniting previous partnerships and, and moving forward. And Speaking of the summit, what are your hopes for this upcoming summit in terms of results, takeaways, and just topics that you would love to see discussed and then brought into action? Well, my, my hope is that it uh, takes place and that uh, the presidents come. Uh, well, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs told that they sent already sent the invitation to every country we welcome and invite all the countries but the point is that this year there will be the elections in many countries and we don't know if if uh, the president will be already in charge to come so there might be not all only presidents but vice presidents yeah or ministers of foreign affairs because not all the all the countries can uh, send their leaders to the summit but still i I hope and I think that it will be much more productive than back in 2019. And it is uh, the time to make all the declarations we pronounce all these years, uh, make them uh, more real and uh, to put it on the paper and to start working in, in bigger scale. Also, what I want to make a remark for the previous question, uh, why Russia didn't collaborate uh, that much with Africa. Because um, actually we are... In, in, in history, we have the same role as African countries, like Russia and African countries are the resources for, for other countries. We, we didn't produce much before, right? In Soviet times, yes, we were very productive, but after the uh, Soviet uh, Union collapsed, uh, we were um, exporting oil products and other mineral resources, and we didn't produce many things. And nowadays it's getting in different direction. We start producing our cars, our some techniques, some goods of food and uh, clothes. I don't know what we will start producing next. And uh, Africa is a market for, for, for Russian products. Oh, for example, we can, we can see uh, the remains of the production line of, of the Soviet Union. We, we still produce chocolates, for example, Alenka. And we started uh, 
or will start soon exporting Anonka to Egypt. And it's uh, funny, but at the same time, yeah, Russia is famous for good chocolates. So why not? Uh, why only Switzerland or, I don't know, German Rittersport yeah, or, or Czech Milka? It will be Russian Alonka now in Egypt. And it has, I think, a big potential. And it's the, the one case that you can grow uh, further and we can export the things that we produce in Russia. We have some good food, for example, milk some bread, I don't know, um, even vodka, what, whatever, wines also. Um, for example, um, African ambassadors uh, told me that the, the wine is very good, made in, in Russian. So why not exporting wines? Right, I guess time, time will tell what the next couple of years are going to look like for Russia-Africa relations, but I sense your optimism and I definitely share it and want to thank you for finding the time to be on the podcast. I look forward to lots of interesting activities in the run-up to the summit, and hopefully I'll see you there. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Africa Dialogues podcast. This episode was recorded with the support of the Mgimo University Development Programme Priority 2030. We look forward to more conversations about Africa today.